This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome to Hour 3 of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. In studio, Mr. Jim Tolkien. He is here representing the Automotive Dealers Association of Mega Milwaukee, where the auto show is going on right now through March 3rd. Jim, welcome to the program. How are you? I am good. So what can people expect to see if they attend the International Milwaukee Auto Show at the Baird Center? Well, as you can guess, you're going to see lots of cars, trucks, crossovers, uh, SUVs, hybrids, internal combustion engines, and uh, all-electric vehicles. If people are curious about vehicles, because, you know, people, they don't want to be sold, Jim. They just want to look at the vehicles and read the features. Is there a high-pressure selling environment at the auto show? There is absolutely virtually no selling effort. Uh, the show, you, can't buy a, you can't buy a new car or truck at the auto show. The purpose, really, of it is to, to let consumers see the cars, talk to people that know about the cars, and perhaps whittle down their, let's say they're looking for a four-door sedan, whittle their decision down between one or two cars or three, They can, and, and they don't have to go outside. They can go a matter of feet and get information and not have to feel pressured uh, to actually buy a car or truck, because, frankly, you can't buy one. And some of the vehicles are available for people to sit in, and you can test out some of the features, and you can see if that vehicle is an actual fit for you. Now, not all of them, but some vehicles will be open and unlocked for people to be able to take a sit, right? Virtually all the cars there that were brought by the manufacturers or brought by dealers, you can sit in, you can touch them, you can see if the sight lines work for you, you can see if the uh, blind spots are a problem, Uh Absolutely can do all of the above. And you can do one step more. Uh, there's also an indoor ride-along uh, that's operational every day, except, unfortunately, on Monday and Tuesday. Every other day that when the show's open, so is the ride-along. And it's uh, featured, uh, it's sponsored by Toyota, and there's three different vehicles they have that uh, you, uh, you, can, you can drive along with. Because it's indoors, it's a professional driver. So there is a RAV4, a Prius, and uh, the new, and I, I'll give you the name. It's a, uh, the other the, the other uh, Toyota is, I can't find the name. Well, let us go to the auto. But, so but I, can t- I can tell you this much. It's, um, it's a little bigger than the RAV4. It's all electric. Uh, it's a beautiful car. Uh, and the other two, the Prius and the RAV4, are, uh, are hybrids. So they're all electric cars. So you get a, a short, uh, makes a sh- maybe a couple hundred feet, turns right, and then the professional driver will accelerate it. And what you get to experience is, because there's no transmission in an electric car, how fast they go in such a very short period of time. Can we take a moment and talk about the unmistakable controversy that is an electric vehicle. So American auto consumers are very specific. For some reason still, even though a lot of folks are living in cities, we still love pickup trucks. We love trucks. Trucks are still number one sellers. But there seems to be this incredible resistance to electric cars. Like, How do you wrap your head around that? There has been a slowdown in 
in particular over the last 12 months and people deciding to get an all-electric vehicle. Uh, two considerations, I think, that come into play. And one is still feeling a little uneasy on electric vehicle infrastructure uh, from one end of the country uh, to the other end of the country. And the other is the actual cost of electric cars, which generally are more expensive than internal combustion vehicles. Uh, however, uh, if you buy a qualifying electric car, you get a $7,500 tax credit from the government. And if it's a used one uh, with certain uh, limitations, you get up to a $3,500 or $4,500 credit, which helps bring uh, equalize the cost somewhat. So it's not just about price, but it's also about convenience. And let's face it, what's more fun when you have a car and you push on the accelerator and you hear it go? Unfortunately, with an electric car, it sounds of silence. <laughs> well, hopefully it's something American consumers can get used to. Speaking of getting used to things, the love affair with the SUV Probably started somewhere maybe in the early, really late 1980s with the full-size Blazer, Chevy Blazer, GMC Jimmy, et cetera. And it's just continued for another generation. What is Americans' fascination with the SUV? Because we don't really off-road that much, like maybe 1% or 2% of people that buy you know, new SUVs, sometimes luxury SUVs, even take them off-road. What is the American fascination with a sport utility vehicle? Well, I think it's, it's their flexibility. Uh, a, uh, one thing is... You sit higher, so vision is much better. It comes in various sizes, so you can get a small one that'll sit comfortably four people, uh, a larger one that might seat comfortably uh, seven or eight people. Um, and again, I think a part of it has to do with the climate we live in. There's the conception that if you have, and most, and some of them are just front-wheel drive, and some of them are all-wheel drive. Uh, and I think there's the belief that under the type of weather conditions that are prevalent in the upper Midwest, having, having all-wheel drive uh, is, a big, is a big plus. Uh, but uh, but the front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive is available in cars as well. I think really is it's the flexibility. Sit higher, uh, better view, uh, and you, you can pull down seats push down seats so you have uh, a significant amount of storage room as well. Speaking with Jim Tolkien, we're talking about the auto show, which is going on right now through March 3rd. Jim, to what extent do gas prices influence consumer behavior? Because relative to other countries, like European countries, our gas here is still relatively cheap. But even when gas prices are unnecessarily high, does that slow down people's consumer behavior unless you know, gas mileage friendly vehicles or do Americans kind of just disregard the cost of, of gas or is it a factor in what we purchase? Well, I think depending on your socioeconomic situation, the price of gasoline does play a part. Generally speaking, though, if you can afford a new car where the average price of a new vehicle, including pickups, uh, is roughly $45,000, the actual price of gasoline uh, could be a factor if, let's say, you're looking to buy a small uh, two-door or four-door sedan. But beyond that, I don't think it's, uh, uh, it's really the, uh, the biggest factor. I think a bigger factor, though, often is the cost of money. Uh, when interest rates go up, 
uh, demand tends to go down. When interest rates are very attractive, they can uh, uh, demand uh, goes up. And the same applies um, with inventory. As the inventory goes up, incentives from the manufacturers usually increase. So even if the price increases, the net amount generally is less expensive. Uh, so when there's plenty of inventory and interest rates are stable, uh, you don't have big uh, fluctuations in demand or not. But when interest rates go up significantly, it does play a factor. Any particular new or special exhibits at this year's auto show, Jim? Well, the special, well, the the drive along, uh, uh, the drive along, uh, call it ride and drive within the auto show uh, is special. And the, and the other special things, there's there's some really cool cars uh, that uh, just came out. Uh, for example, uh, the Lincoln Nautilus, big SUV. It has a screen that goes the full width of the car. I mean, it is unbelievably cool. Uh, There's a new BMW. It's called the BMW XM. It is the muscle car of sport utilities. Goes 0 to 60 in 4.1 seconds, has 500 500 horsepower, and the lighting inside, the ambient lighting, uh, it's it's like in the back seat. It's like in in a cocktail lounge. I mean, it's absolutely uh, mag- magnificent. Uh, the only negative on this car is the price. Uh, this one's about one hundred and seventy thousand ish. Oh, dropping the wells, no problem. Uh, but again, uh, two others that are also new vehicles this year uh, is the um, again the Lincoln Nautilus and also the Lexus GX five fifty. Now, the Lexus GX five fifty is an exquisite looking car. It's not one hundred and seventy thousand dollars ish. It's more, and we'll say between sixty and seventy thousand dollars. All new. Uh, it's the most off-road capable Lexus that's ever been built. And if you look at the Mercedes-Benz model, I forget the model number. It looks very old-school Jeep-looking, uh, and it looks very similar to that, comparable to a Range Rover in performance. Uh, and that is a really beautiful vehicle, and it's a great alternative as an example to the BMW uh, XM. Uh, and there's another really cool throwback car, and it's the uh, ID Buzz. And uh, the ID Buzz uh, is a Volkswagen. If you recall, in the '60s, they had their first kind of microvan. Well, Volkswagen is, Bus, a favorite of hippies all over the world, right? So this is like an updated version. Uh, it's really funky looking. They're two-toned in color. It even has a sliding window for your dog. Uh, and it is, and you can get it either uh, six-passenger or seven-passenger. Six-passenger has two uh, captain seats in the middle. The seven-passenger has, um, has a, a, a three-bench seat. And and even and, and the sliding doors and power windows and the sliding doors goes back to the very end of the second row of seats, so it's easy to get in, easy to get out, and it's got really funky color combinations. Most of them two tone. Most of the uh, insides are two tone as well. This is a cashless event only. Folks need to know that credit cards and debit cards will be accepted. If you want tickets to this year's auto show, you go to autoshowmilwaukee.com, or you can buy your tickets. 
when you arrive. Online when you arrive. Online when and you, you save a buck. Jim, do you remember your first car? Of course you do. I can tell you the first car, one of the first cars that I was able to drive because growing up my I was effectively spoiled. My dad worked at car dealerships. And by the time I was 16, he was the general manager of the largest Chevy dealer uh, in Wisconsin, which was Humphrey Chevrolet on 35th in Wisconsin. So I didn't have my own car to drive, but I had, and he was given two cars to drive, one for himself and one for my mother. And the one that my mother was driving, I was like 17, a senior in high school. It was a white Camaro with a front air scoop, black and orange interior with big orange stripes. And that was the Indy Pace car. That was the, the replica of the Indy Pace car. And that was the most favorite car I ever bought or ever leased or ever had the ability to drive. If you would have held on to that, it would be easily worth six figures. Probably 1967, somewhere right around. Uh, yeah, it was a... It was a 69 or 70. There you go. Uh, that car is well worth, uh, in pristine condition, well over six figures. When you look at just how technology has transformed the automobile, going from four-speed manual transmissions, manual transmissions on the tree, to now these CVT transmissions and even full self-driving, the amount of technology that we have in vehicles is something that we never could have imagined. I, I personally see the downside of it because it's less about the actual experience of driving. It's I got to connect my phone to the Bluetooth and got to hook up this and got to have Apple CarPlay. While technology is necessary and it's also very important, is it kind of a distraction to some of these new vehicles where you're kind of getting away from the experience of driving? Back when you could only get an AM radio, right? The sound That's of the correct. engine would be much more entertaining than than all these other in-car entertainment features. Your thoughts on technology and vehicles? Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I love to drive. I love to hear the sound of an engine. Um, uh, does some a lot of the new technology is it very beneficial? Yes, I like blindside uh, warnings. If you're a little over the lane and a buzzer goes off or a light goes on uh, or automatic uh, uh, cruise control, uh, you have it on cruise, but it automatically reduces the the speed of your uh, vehicle depending on it gets to a certain number of feet behind the car in front of you. That absolutely are, is very, very beneficial. But it is significantly different. Uh, and I think uh, the buying public is, is, is adapting to it. But when I think about driving when I was 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, 25 years old, it just was a lot more fun. Indeed it was. Thank you so much, Jim, for being here. The auto show is going on right now through March 3rd. It's a cashless event only. You can buy your tickets online. You also can purchase your tickets at the Baird Center online as well. Here's to having a great show this year, Jim, and we appreciate you joining us. You're more than welcome. We're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 101.7 FM. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Oh, oh. 
I hope y'all go to the auto show and look at cars or whatever. Our phone number is 833-212-1017-833-212-1017. Dion says, I'm applying for another pardon again. Good luck, buddy. Tough to get. You would uh, Depends on what law you broke. If you broke a federal law, if you have a federal felony, you got to apply to the president. Joe Biden can pardon you. Which, why would he? You don't vote. Or Tony Evers, if you broke a state law, you have a federal, I'm sorry, a state felony, you would apply to Tony Evers. How fascinating I find it, Dion, that you are about as anti-voting as anyone I have ever talked to, and I've talked to a lot of people. A Republican governor or president wouldn't pardon you for nothing. In fact, Tony Evers has probably pardoned more people in his first term than Scott Walker did in two. But it's interesting how you and those like you will want something from an elected official, a Democratic executive, but won't vote for one. Do you see how that works? Oh, and let me be abundantly clear. Anyone that has your name and your birth date can check your voting record. Now, I don't know what the criteria is for pardoning somebody. They've got to illustrate that they're a good, upstanding citizen. They haven't gotten in any trouble, and they have provided, like, wonderful service to community and family and all these other things. They look at how the person has improved their life and the life of others in order to even be considered for a pardon. But if I'm the governor, y'all better be happy I'm not. I'm looking at somebody's voting record. If you have never registered to vote and you don't vote, I'm not pardoning you. If anything, I'll say, pardon me. I'm not going to pardon you at all. Deion says, don't put that on the air. I'm not on paper, sure. When Deion, you've talked about your time in jail a lot. You know, when y'all say so publicly, then you give it to me to say forever. Y'all know that? Bruh. Sure, when I told you that on your radio show, you can't ever say that again. It's going to live forever in the podcast. So, and we appreciate you guys being open and sharing with us. But just know once you say it, oh, it's stuff that I've heard on the air I'll never forget. Wait, like what? A lot of it has come from Denise Thomas. Oh. Denise is very open about her life. Oh. Her dating life. Oh. Fascinating. But for some reason, I feel like if I say stuff, because I've gotten in trouble for stuff. That has already been said. Like what happened with Bob Donovan back in 1992 was 30-year-old news. But for some reason, when I bring it up, they all want to come for me. Somebody on WISN, another radio host, tried to cancel me. Like, dude, it don't work that way. People in the same industry don't really cancel each other. That's not – it's people outside of the industry that do the cancelings. I mean, I've been flirting with cancel culture since it started. Cancel culture really kind of came into view maybe 2014, 2015, 2016 for sure. And Bill Cosby and all these other people and Harvey Weinstein and all these other people. With Jeffrey Epstein and all these other Donald Trump. How come Trump ain't been canceled? Trump might be president of the United States. You know where he grabs women. Donald Trump has been married 74 times. And cheated on this illegal immigrant wife. Can we see Melania's papers? Y'all over here trying to build a wall. Maybe we should block certain people from coming over here via the airport. Melania Trump, where's she from? 
Czechoslovakia, Russia, Czechoslovakia. Does she speak English? Has anybody heard from Melania? She could have divorced Trump and we wouldn't even know about it. They probably don't even sleep in the same bed. How do you get caught having sex with porn stars and then you pay the porn star not to say anything? And then she says something. And then your wife finds out. There's a couple of them. Karen McDougal is one. Stormy Daniels is another one. I believe that that's a common story amongst powerful men. Y'all remember Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton used to just, he used to just go to strip club. Hey, Sherwin, I'm going to be in Milwaukee. You want to meet at Silk? Bill, no. Why? Hillary ain't going to say nothing. Come on. I got a whole bunch of dollars. All right, Bill. I think powerful men, sometimes they, the things that make them influential and charismatic and powerful also attracts women. And I think, and I'm not going to mention any presidents by name, but I think all of the, like Kennedy was bad. He used to, he used to do stuff. Him and Marilyn Monroe had a thing. John F. Kennedy. They used to do it. No, they did. I read a story about Marilyn Monroe. She had real bad personal hygiene. It changed my whole perception of her. Like she didn't take showers for like weeks at a time. That's disgusting. Yeah, that's gross. I can't say that on the air, Zach. Neither can I. That's why I said it in your ear. All right. But I think that powerful men sometimes have, they get a lot of affection from women and they accept it even if, if they're married. But here's the difference. Powerful men that have good, solid reputations that are admired by those women that they may have these extramarital affairs with, those women just, they don't say anything. I don't think Barack Obama ever cheated on Michelle. I think he did. Shh. With Beyonce. But Beyonce wouldn't say nothing. That's why he chose her. I don't want to get into this because I like Barack Obama. But look, the women that Barack Obama was with, they was like, yo, Barack, I, I'm, I ain't going to say nothing. Women can keep secrets. It's amazing how we know men that have cheated. And we even know the women that a lot of men have slept with, especially powerful men, celebrity men, political men, et cetera, et cetera, right? You don't know a single person that slept with Michelle Obama. You don't know a single person that slept with Melania Trump. So think about this for a second. Think about famous men and the women they have been with, the women that they have married, the women that they've had affairs with, all that tabloid stuff, right? You always hear about who the men are sleeping with. You never hear about who these women are sleeping with. It's very, very rare. Here's another weird analogy slash euphemism. We've all seen a, a dog, like a male dog, it just humps, right? It humps a stuffed animal. It'll hump a pillow. It'll hump your leg. You've Everybody has seen, whether you wanted to or not, a dog copulating with another dog. You've seen a male dog just mount anything, right? Have you ever seen a cat have sex? Exactly. Women are the cats. We know that kittens are born, but you never, ever see. See, cats are slick with it. Cats are actually hoes that just know how to be quiet with theirs. You know what I mean? Because think about it. Dogs and cats obviously reproduce because we are overrun with unwanted kittens and puppies. you got puppy mills and all sorts of other stuff. So dogs, we see them do it often. 
But cats, you never see it. Cats be like, meow. Come over here and meow me real quick. But don't let nobody catch us meowing. Come get some of this meow meow. Come get some of this meow. Meow meow. You know the word that we have for female anatomy, like the slang? How do you refer to a cat's female anatomy? Is it a, you know what I mean? Is it a P word's P word? Okay. That's the side get canceled. Let me read. Let me read a story here. For Something to think about, right? You've never yeah, no, I've never, I've never thought about that. You've never seen a cat humping another cat ever. No, I, I've never thought about oh, what you word. call a cat. Oh, yeah. But that too. P words, P word. Okay. P as in like popsicle. That's what I mean when I say P word. In a few generations, factory farming, the set of economic, genetic, chemical, and pharmaceutical innovations that enabled humanity to raise tens of billions of animals for food every single year, has completely transformed America. This story appears in Vox. It has polluted our water and our air, ruining the quality of life for people who live near animal confinement. You know people that live near, like, big farms, like, get cancer because all the chemicals, it's terrible. It has altered the entire landscapes, helping drive the conversation of much of the Midwest's biodiverse prairie grasslands to soy and cornfields, growing feed for billions of animals warehoused in industrial-sized sheds. It also contributes an outsized share of planet-warming emissions, heightens the risk of another zootonic pandemic, and causes of unfathomable normalized suffering for the animals themselves. The factory farmification of the American food system dates back about a century and accelerated after World War II. But today's factory farms have taken on an even more extreme dimension. Forty years ago, a facility raising 100,000 chickens per year would have passed for a large factory farm. Now more than 75 percent of chickens live on massive complexes to sell more than 500,000 chickens every year. These mega factory farms, as some observers have called them, look more like chicken megalopuses. The same pattern holds for other animals raised for food like cows and pigs. These trends are reflected in data released this month by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Census of Agriculture, a massive report published every five years on the state of farming in America. The report reveals the picture of an ever-consolidating, ever-intensifying system of animal agriculture that's squeezing out small and medium-sized farms and packing more animals on less and less land. So I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to attempt to give you guys the size and scope of animal farming for food in this country. And these numbers are astronomical, and it's overwhelmingly dominated by chickens. Currently, right now, on planet Earth, there are two, if not three times more chickens than there are people. Well, cluck, cluckety, cluck on that. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
Truth Nation, we are proud to be celebrating Black History Month with, with the Milwaukee Bucks for their HBCU night game tomorrow. Make sure you tune into the award-winning 1017 The Truth at noon until 6 p.m. as our Truth family will be broadcasting live from the Pottawatomie Club at the Serve Forum. You will hear Melanie Ricks, Tori Lowe, and Dr. Ken Harris bringing all your favorite content live from the Milwaukee Bucks HBCU night celebration game. So tune into our special live remote broadcast from the Pottawatomie Club at Serve from noon until 6 tomorrow, February 27th, Milwaukee Black Talk. The award-winning 1017 The Truth proudly celebrates black excellence and the most monumental moments in our history. Tune in all month long as we celebrate black history. 1017 The Truth Celebration of Black History Month is sponsored by Tayback Law, Tayback for the Payback, Educators Credit Union, Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin, and American Family Insurance. The award-winning 1017 The Truth is home of Milwaukee Panthers basketball. Don't miss any of the high-flying hoops action by listening to Panthers basketball on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and all your favorite streaming platforms. The Panthers are on the road one last time Wednesday night before conference tournament play as they are set to take on the IUPUI Jaguars. Coverage begins at 5.30 with a 6 p.m. tip-off. What school is IUPUI? Indiana University. Indiana. Indiana University. Popsicle University. Indigenous Jaguars? I don't know. That is all right. That's enough of those. So I have to read more of them. In 2022, the number of chickens, cows, pigs, and turkeys in the U.S. food system exceeded 10 billion for the census's first time in history, up from 5.2 billion animals in 1987. That's largely been driven by this is a word they use here now. The chickenization of the American diet. One of the most important shifts in the U.S. food system over the last several decades has been declining beef consumption and rapidly increasing consumption of chicken, often perceived as healthier than red meat. The ethical implications of that trade are profound. As Vox.com has written many times, swapping of beef for chicken means slaughtering many more individual animals because chickens are so small. It takes 100 chickens to get the same amount of meat from a single cow. U.S. chicken meat consumption first surpassed beef consumption in the mid-1990s. Around the same time, farm animal population growth accelerated. Chickens now make up 90% of land animals farmed in the United States. In the year 2022, we slaughtered nine points. Is this in America or in the world? Uh-uh, this can't be in America. It's in America. There are 330, maybe 40 million people in America. I thought this was in the world. This is just in America. You bunch of fatties. We slaughtered 9 billion, 200 million chickens. In the year 2022, that is 27 chickens per person. What is wrong with y'all? Okay, so that's, well, that's basically two chickens a month, though, per person. That's not a little bit more than, that's like two chickens, a thigh and a drumstick per month for every person every single year. That makes sense. 
Because I bet some of y'all eat the equivalent of an entire chicken every week. Some of y'all eat 50 chickens. If you add up the nuggets, the wings, the breast and the thighs, the chicken noodle soup, right? Chicken broth, all the chickens. Hey, boneless wings or nuggets, everybody. Stop it. Stop falling for the okie doke. A boneless wing is a nugget. Why would you? It's a nugget. It's just shaped. It's shaped a little weirder. Like, oh, make it shaped different so we can pretend it's a boneless wing. When you take the bone out of a chicken wing, it's just a bunch of flat meat. It's not nuggety. It's no longer a wing. Thank you. Boneless wing. First of all, if you're going to eat chicken, eat it on the bone. I mean, a nugget will work. A, a good tender will work, too. Don't let me say that too loud. Ben Jammin might come running because, you know, he eat chicken tenders over here. The chicken strips that got over at Dairyland. Ben eats them three times a week or more. We farm so many chickens for food that they, <laughs> they, are, the, now, they are now the most populous bird species on the planet. And scientists believe their remains leave a permanent mark on our geological world. We live in the age of the chicken, as New York Times put it in 2018. Chickens are the most populous bird on the planet because y'all love boneless wings. The number of other farmed animals are also massive, but next to meat chickens, they look like a small rounding error. With each passing year, farmed animals are increasingly concentrated on the largest factory farms. In the chicken meat industry, mega factory farms that raise more than 500,000 chickens per year now overwhelmingly dominate. In 2022, 7.2 billion chickens, the vast majority of chickens raised for meat in just the United States, came from these facilities. Two billion still overwhelmingly came from factory farms, just smaller ones. So corporations are now growing your chickens. There was a, a clip I used to play many, many years ago. I need to go and search the depths of YouTube to try and find it because we wonder how like the sicknesses and diseases that we have now, when we have more opportunities to be healthy, like our health care is better. We've got more vaccine vaccinations. Now we just have better health care, but people are getting Sicker than ever, like the one example, type 2 diabetes. Here's what the problem is. So obviously processed food, because when you have to make a tremendous amount of food, you have to mechanize the food and you have to make it. Like you got a packet full of preservatives from when it is produced to when it gets to the store shelves. It may sit on the store shelves for months and months and months. So all of the chemical alterations to our food has a negative implication on our health. But if you look at most packaged food that you buy or processed food, I mean stuff you don't grow and farm on your own, it's unhealthy. Even when we didn't know that much about diet, let's say 100 years ago, and people were eating, you know, six eggs a day, you know, a pound of bacon, uh, pork, ham, like all the things that we are told nowadays are very unhealthy that we should avoid. People were actually living healthier, productive lives. Now, they were also much more active, but here's what the difference is. A person that prepares their own food at home, that cooks their own food, seasons their own food, even if that food is unhealthy, has better health outcomes than if a corporation grows and farms and prepares your food. 
One example would be fast food. If you make a hamburger at home and you get fresh grass-fed ground beef and you prepare your own hamburger and you eat that for the rest of your life and you measure somebody's health outcomes, then look at somebody who eats fast food and McDonald's hamburgers and cheeseburgers for the same period of time, their health outcomes will be dramatically, dramatically worse, as evident by the original documentary, Super Size Me. You guys ever seen this documentary? It's fantastic. It's a guy that eats McDonald's for every single meal. For a month. One month. That's it. 30 days. He eats McDonald's breakfast. He eats McDonald's for lunch. He eats McDonald's for dinner. And not even an overly excessive amount. He just literally feeds himself on McDonald's for one month. And a lot of people do that. Now, hopefully not everybody, but a lot of people do that. So they took like his biometric markers and did blood work and they checked his, his overall health at the beginning of this experiment, he eats McDonald's for 30 days, all three meals a day. So even if he wanted a snack, he'd go get some nuggets or he'd have a Sunday or an apple pie or something. He ate nothing but McDonald's. By the end of the 30 days, he was on the verge of death. He had high cholesterol. He had high blood pressure. He is going into kidney failure. And that's just one month. When corporations prepare your food, it is dangerous and deadly. Oh, here's another one. The egg industry, which uses about... 388,500,000 hens per year. The biggest factory farms are even bigger, sometimes housing millions of chickens on a single farm. Such high concentrations of animals and their waste smell terrible and release hazardous pollution linked to respiratory problems in the communities in which they're located, a growing environmental justice issue. These facilities have also exacerbated the U.S. with avian flu, the crisis over the avian flu crisis over the last decade, having so many animals in one place that when a case of bird flu hits one animal, it can quickly spread to hundreds or thousands or in some cases millions of other animals. For disease control purposes, the U.S. Department of Agriculture requ requires farms to kill every animal on a farm where a case of bird flu has been detected. I assure you they don't. Setting off a chain of events that can disrupt the food chain and food supply and inflate the prices of your eggs. In the span of one month, for example, bird flu cases at just five egg factories and farms in Iowa, Nebraska, and here in Wisconsin wiped out more than 4% of the country's egg-laying hens. And because it's logistically difficult to cull so many animals in a massive complex, these mega factory farms have also been linked to the rise of an especially disturbing method being used to kill mass amounts of animals in the bird flu. Ventilation shutdown in which the birds are killed via heat stroke using industrial heaters. So I'm looking at this picture of it's like and they've, they're like they have these barriers between them. So there's one, two, three, four, like five rows all separated by like these wood planks that are right at the the neck level of the chicken so the chickens can stay separate so they don't hop over the barrier and it's got to be the size of like an indoor athletic complex and it's just nothing but chickens let's see if i can see a dead one in this picture yep there's one laying dead it's just a dead chicken amongst all the chickens the number of U.S. dairy cows raised on mega dairies increased more than sixfold in 30 years. I'm going to take a pause, come back and talk about the scale of industrial farming and the chickenization of America. I bet you some of y'all got chicken in your refrigerator from last night. 
Some of y'all are eating chicken right now. Some of y'all can't wait to get to Popeye's. Some of y'all are dreading the line at the Popeye's on Appleton. What's the worst Popeye's? I've been to all of them. Probably 28th and Capitol. I was going to say Capitol. Yeah. that A woman was murdered at that Popeye's. If I ever tell you guys the story about John Broderson, he is the guy that owned all the Popeye's franchises in Milwaukee, then owned all the Popeye's in Detroit. And then he found out that Puerto Ricans, I didn't know this, they like fried chicken too. So he owned all of the Popeye's on the whole island of Puerto Rico. Okay, He never let his children eat. He's got kids. He never let his children eat the food because he didn't want to feed his children the food that he all feeds to you. And when I say he is mega, mega rich, and you don't hear much about him because he's very low key. He's probably one of the wealthiest entrepreneurs in Milwaukee. He bought his first Popeyes when he was in his 20s in 1989. He got a loan from his dad and just kept expanding, expanding, expanding. And when he opened that first Popeyes on 28th and Capitol, he realized his revenues were shrinking because he found out that employees were putting money in their pocket, right? So they would charge like $5 for a chicken dinner or whatever. And they would put like $3 in their pocket. So he installed video cameras. All true stories, the story that he tells. He installs video cameras because an employee tipped him off. Like, dude, you're getting robbed blind because they're taking money from the orders and putting it in their pockets. He had a real bad inventory system because the guy was in his 20s when he opened up his first Popeyes, right? He installed video cameras. Had all the recordings of the employee. Yep, you're stealing money. You're stealing money. When he had a shift change, he called that must have been the District 5 Police Department. And when the shift changed, when people were walking out of the store to go to their cars, he had the cops arrest all of his employees. Oh, yeah, he didn't play around. And, of course, he's a Caucasian fella. That's what I'm saying. If you sell somebody else's culture back to them, look at what white people do. Look at what, where they go, what they enjoy, the recreational activities, right? If you have a yoga studio with goat yoga, a coffee shop, a doggy daycare, and what else can you throw in there? A place that sells tofu. Make that your black-owned business. All the suburban white women in Wildwood Tulsa will just throw their wallets and purses at you. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Talking about all this meat y'all eat. This article appears in box.com. And what I'll do is I will post a link to this article in the Hughes Views Facebook group. It is a Facebook community that corresponds to this program. So if there's any things we're discussing here or articles or links you guys want, more often than not, I'll post them in the Hughes Views Facebook group, but you can't just join. You got to be approved. Some of y'all be capping. So I got to personally approve you. And some of y'all be trying to be slick. You know I don't like some of y'all. Y'all be trying to get in the group. Nope. Denied. Block, ban, forever. Block, block, ban. It's not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. All right. Let me see here. I ain't read none of the YouTube comments. We talk about cows real quick. Cows are enormous, it says. 
So the threshold for the largest cattle farms is much lower than it is for chickens. Remember the massive fire at an 18,000 cow Texas dairy farm last April? No, I do not remember that. That's what we would call a mega dairy. And they've taken over the dairy industry. A a big fire at an 18,000 cow farm is just a barbecue. Well, think about it. Think about it. It probably smelled good. Mmm. Somebody making ribs and steak and tenderloin and whatever else you get out of cow, tripe. Although the overall population of U.S. dairy cows is not increasing, the number of cows concentrated on the biggest dairy farms has skyrocketed over the past 30 years as smaller operations are forced to shut down. The Texas dairy explosion last spring was a perfect illustration of the hazards of mega farms. It stemmed from a malfunction with the farm's manure management equipment instantly setting ablaze thousands of animals. Well, that's not fun. Supersized factory farms create supersized disaster. And I'm looking at these must be individual cages or kennels for the cows. And there's literally thousands of them and there's mountains in the background i mean the scale of our farming of animals is just massive mega dairies have been especially on the rise in the american west amanda starbuck research director for the environmental advocacy group food and water watch told vox the group's analysis of agricultural census data found a 60 percent increase in the number of cows and mega dairies in oregon between 2002 and 2022 Although the state is not known for dairy production, it has seen a proliferation of especially large dairy farms in recent years, and local residents have complained about the industry's pollution of their water supply. Oregon has potentially the largest mega dairy in the world. The shift to mega factory farms has perhaps been even more dramatic in the pork sector. In 2022, more than 90% of pigs were raised on mega farms, Iowa, the top pork-producing state, has 30,000 fewer pig farms than it did in the 1980s, yet it's home to more pigs than ever. 30,000 fewer farms, but there's more pigs than ever. The rapid consolidation has meant that big farms are getting bigger while the rest go out of business. Oh, look at these filthy pigs. How can bacon taste so good? Pigs are vile animals. Oh, they're so bad. But my God, a ham sandwich? A pork tenderloin? Many U.S. pig farmers who can hang on do so by contracting with the biggest pork processors like Smithfield Foods and JBS. In these contract arrangements, the farmer takes on much of the risk by taking out large loans to build their operations while the company supplies the pigs and their feed More than two-thirds of pigs were raised via contract starting in 2015. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great day. I'll see you next time.